hunters and welcome to the hunters hub uh we are recording one late late night because uh, well because of disappointing reasons anyways this is fortuan <laughs> and uh joined by co-host haru uh i'm fallen into bed because it's late and i'm tired but also star wars what <laughs> um, I feel like there was some misorder on <laughs> maybe a fallen order of your words there. Mm, Anyways, uh-huh. um, <laughs> um, also joined by co-host Morg Daddy. How you doing? I am doing excellent. I just came from afternoon tea with the, all the trimmings of an English tea. It was quite well, fantastic. Mean... With petty fours and... Uh, Fresh doilies and mmm, good old warm cups of tea. Mmm, it's lovely. Cucumber sandwiches, the works. It sounds terrible. It was actually pretty awesome. Those cucumber sandwiches with the cream cheese and everything. It's just mm, lovely. I don't like any of that. <laughs> Not even shortbread? <gasps> no. <laughs> I don't like any of that. Not even the All petty right. forest, oh. the little, little. Little cakes with little ganache, you mean, you know, all over it. Yeah, I great. mean, it, first time I've ever heard petty fours, and I still don't know what ganache is. So, are those uh, some of the useless cooking mechanics they have added to Pokemon Sword and Shield? Oh uh, <laughs> no, I don't uh, think. petty fours. No, that's 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 cake. Those are like little mini cakes that you can like just pick up with your fingers and just you pop the whole thing in your mouth and it's like it's a dainty little snack but it's real tasty hey those were in pokemon at some point you could make cakes or something oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. that was uh that was sun and moon yeah no Um, i mean there was like i think berry cooking was in since like diamond or something crazy mm -hmm. Well, I remember, what was it, they were making, like, Pez sticks and stuff like that in Generation 3, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's all stew now in Sword and Shield. Like, I I think it's Curry. It's berry. Oh, yeah, curry. Sorry, it is curry. But did that curry favor with the players? We'll find out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to be talking about a few things tonight. Mostly um, a What We've Been Playing episode. Um, The the idea of recording so late today was to catch some some of that sweet uh, Monster Iceborne December update news. But it seems that we were mistaken that they were going to say anything or misled or... I'm going to say they were Something. mistaken, but it doesn't mean it's sweeping. Yeah, I, I don't... Whatever it was, we are recording later for no good reason other than <laughs> our own misconceptions, I suppose. Capcom so, really uh, likes to jerk its fans around. They give us an underwhelming charge blade, and now they, they keep us up until 10 o'clock at night hoping that we're going to get a good stream. And what do they do? They're marketing glasses. Assholes! Mm-hmm. 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 I just wish it was 10 o'clock. It was two hours ago. Anyways. <laughs> um, the, uh, so I'd like to talk a lot about Pokemon tonight. Um, I have beaten the end game. I have started IV training. Uh, and that is... Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Hari, you're definitely going to talk more about Jedi's, uh Star Wars Fallen Order. Jedi Ooh, Fallen Star Order. Wars Jedi Fallen Order. About the 
picking up the pieces after the Death Star blasted away. Hmm. Okay. And uh, Morg, uh, I know you've been also playing Shield. Uh, yes. And and then um, we are also going to be talking about the not too recently, but somewhat recently released um, supplement to Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, the Unearthed Arcana, uh, specifically the class features um, and some of the stuff that we've enjoyed looking through that. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess, uh, we'll start off with, uh, Pokemon. Um, we talked a little bit, uh, about this last week. I had barely gotten through the first gym. I have now completed the game and completed, uh, the second story in quotations. Um, I won't get into many spoilers about, um, the campaign or whatever itself, um, because some people are still going through it. Uh, a lot of people I know, at least, are still going through it. Morg, I assume you're still going through it because you didn't get it day one like I did. No, no. I, I kind of held off on it. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think I've just beaten the Ice Gym. So, I mean, I've got a full team. Well, that in itself may be a spoiler because that's actually one of the uh, version-specific gyms. Oh, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say which gym that was. They're going to have to find <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm not telling you which order no, it's in. I'm not going to say the ice gym or anything with that good old sweet, sweet frost moth. But anyway. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, the uh, so you are good portion of the way through the gyms. Um, there's a second story. It's rather short afterwards, um, which is, uh, I will say, on par with regular Pokemon story, as in pretty bland and kind of meh. But the story, the main story, before you get into that like end game, is quite good. And this is the first time I'll ever, and maybe the last time I will ever say this about a Pokemon game. Um, and I'm not saying like this is groundbreaking, but like. It's been said many times, I'm not a fan of a lot of stories and games because they don't tend to treat the medium they're in very well. It's just sort of like, hey, here's cutscene to more story, more gameplay, and there's certainly there's certainly like story during gameplay and that stuff, but not a lot of things outside of like my favorite that does it is Doom 2016 uh, does it well. Mm-hmm. So... Um, this isn't like an exceptional tale of that, but for a Pokemon game, it's pretty solid. So what about it? Like you actually world building and that sounds Uh, weird for Pokemon considering we've been world building for a long time, but the people feel like they have realistic reactions to what's going on. There are mm-hmm. actual character arcs, yeah, and motivations. Um, the villain is not a villain for villain's sake. Uh, <laughs> like he actually has a legitimate reason to be villainous and knows it. Um, there is one character in particular, um, which is kind of a spoiler to talk about who they are, that is kind of like pretty cliche as far as what they do. 
um, which actually really surprised me because uh, you get to see a very dark side of them very suddenly. Uh, and it's kind of disturbing. Um, but then, like, I would say they're the... I don't want to spoil anything, but that person is probably about the weakest character development of anybody. Because it's like, suddenly evil, suddenly I'm sorry. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel, um, I feel right, like the. I feel like the, the yeah. at least for the rival, there is actually like a decent character arc, and you know, a, All... a, a fairly decent amount of development with him. For yes, Hop. there the the so Hop, your rival, and this is you know very early in the game, you know who this person is. So traditional Pokemon games, your rival is just like, hey, I'm going to beat you. And oh, no, you beat me every time we battle. He actually acknowledges that you're better than him constantly. And he's like, you keep beating me. What is going on? And he has an actual like really thought out like character arc of what he is and what he does. And he, I would say, would be the sole reason to do the post-game content if for a story purpose doing the post game content allows you to catch the box art pokemon mhm so you're probably going to do it anyways but <laughs> yeah they did that in uh, x and y too the your friend got depressed cuz they kept losing to you and it was kind of sad and then they Yeah this one has it. a this one's actually for, like, better reasons, though. Like, for example, like, if his older brother being the champion, he feels that he actually yeah. has, like, reasons to try and step up his games to prove that he's capable, and he doesn't want to drag his, you know, older brother's name through the mud by being total shit. And so, like, when, what was it, that yeah. asshole with the grandma hair comes in and, like, totally thrashes him and, you know, starts insulting Bay -bay. him and his family, you know, then he's, like, going through this existential crisis... And then, like, he's got to, like, try and pull himself together. And by the end of it, um, he he actually develops, like, a decent amount of nerve. Like, he's not, like, some naive kid. Like, he's actually, like, you know, battling for all the right reasons as, as a rival mm -hmm. should. So, props to Game Freak for that. At least they, you know, they did that character right. Yeah, they, there's a lot of things they did really well in this game that I feel like... Uh, in some ways got overshadowed uh, before the game came out by Dexit, you know, that the whole Pokedex problem and then the lying about models and that kind of stuff. and Like, all these things that shouldn't have happened um, kind of overshadowed everything they were talking about what the game was going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and the game is actually really freaking good. Um... There's there's some aspects to it that, that, that like story wise I really think it's cool the world building is great um, the gym leaders actually feel like gym leaders and not just like hey I'm the water thug that leads this gym you can't get past me unless this <laughs> they actually I'm serious yeah, like that's no, the way that old Pokemon feels like like. Yeah, I'm Brock. I use an Onyx and completely crush other people's Pokemon because I'm an asshole is not sort of like the thing about the gym leaders. Like, they actually have... I mean, yeah, they had personalities before, but they're a little more fleshed-out personalities. Um, and then all, on top of that, they have a purpose in the world, which is what I talk about world-building. Mm -hmm. um, 
they they dabbled with that with the challenges in Sun and Moon, like the trials or whatever. Um, they did a much better job in Sword and Shield. Yeah, um, I I don't see any reason why they should have taken out the gym the gym leader battles. Like Sun and Moon really like put like a really bad taste in my mouth when I heard about all the stuff that they were doing and the fact that the National Jet Dex was like just growing that just too quickly. And I was like, no, I think I'm just gonna take a step back. Oraz was good enough for me. I mean, there wasn't mm-hmm. really much going on in Oraz either. I, it was just more for like the competitive stuff that I enjoyed, like the customization of the character of the Pokemon teams that you could get. But with yeah, I agree with Sword and Shield. The characters definitely have um, they have more purpose and um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they have a particular theme and they have like really strong personalities, like. Um, one of them is like uh, one of the gym leaders is uh, looking to um, find a replace a suitable replacement and is you know tied to the theater life mm. and has their um, uh, their gym is literally a stage like a stadium like an like a mm-hmm. I don't want to say an opera house but like a theater and like like you, a, uh, where you have plays yeah yeah a and you're literally getting. Um, uh, and like you're being like uh, questioned at an orientation, like as if you're an applicant for it as you're going through all the battles, which is really interesting. I thought that was really cool. That I'd never seen that before. Yeah. And then like even after you beat Although, them, those some of the answers are bullshit. But anyways, yeah. yeah. And like if you answer the questions, like what depending on whether you get the answer right or wrong, that'll give your Pokemon a stat boost. Um, and I'm not going to give you any of the uh, correct answers, by the way, because, you know, you, you're going to have to figure that out for yourself. A lot of the answers are just <laughs> completely random. It's total bullshit, but... Yeah. Um, that sounds but yeah, like a puzzle like, gym, all right. Or like a quiz gym, rather. Yeah. Well, yeah, Blaine, well, Blaine's not the, <laughs> the first, first one to do it, but, like, these are, like, in-battle questions. Not, like, just, you know, questionnaires where you can go, if you answer the question correctly, you don't have to worry about fighting the trainer. Um... But yeah, it's similar. Like they took certain aspects from previous generations, but they've I think applied them um, in a more uh, uh, progressive way of doing it. Like it's actually like it's more involved and it's a little bit more interesting. That's that's just an aspect of the gyms themselves. They have these interesting challenges before you get to the gyms. Not all of them are that interesting. Some of them are, um, yeah. And, and and I will say that the version specific gems have an equivalent. Uh, so there's only two gems that are version specific. So it's like gym four. Uh, Is it gym four or five? And then gym seven are version specific. Oh, so, that's why you didn't. Ooh, never mind. Oh, god damn it! Oh, I spoiled it. Ugh! I gotta shut my mouth. You're fine. Okay. Um. So, uh, like, and they're version-specific, but their puzzles or their challenges are, from what I understand, exactly the same, just skinned under the different gym typing. Um, which is fine, whatever. Um, the, you know, the gym leaders actually play a significant role in the, the, the world, like I said. Um, the open area kind of thing, the wild battles... Or the, the the open area kind of thing, that is um, all where a lot of people end up sinking time because the Dynamax battles, as far as like an uh, it's not even end game content, it ends up being end game content. 
um, but where you fight the gigantic Pokemon, which, you know, was like beforehand, we were all like, yeah, it's kind of stupid, whatever. It's just the next mechanic. Uh, they play into, they play into what I'm doing very well, Mm -hmm. um, as a shortcut for getting high IVs on Pokemon because Dynamaxed Pokemon typically have higher IVs. So when I'm doing my IV training and trying to get, you know, all six stats to be best, they are the good start to get there. For, you mean effort value? Every time. No, IVs as in the actual um, um, well, potential. Well, you can't grind yeah, yeah. IVs. You have to be like, it's like randomly generated when you start a Pokemon, I think. I think what he that's correct. I think what that he means is exactly by that, what I'm talking about. Well, he he's referring to like the actual catching of those Pokemon. Like for example, those Dynamax raids. Um, depending upon like uh, the difficulty of them. For example, if you get a max level like a a five star difficulty for that Pokemon, the chances of it getting almost perfect IVs is very very high. Um, catching it will be tricky, but once you do get it, you'll essentially get almost a perfect Pokemon, and then yes. Yeah, it's a good start for the breeding mm-hmm. process to get a perfect Pokemon. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which just before we started recording, I actually tweeted out uh, my first perfect Pokemon, which is a Sizzlepeed. So uh, it is still level one. I will have to do the EV training or the effort values and actually fight with it. But at level one, it has the best potential IVs in all six stats. So. That is a mechanic that plays on plays later on. There's all sorts of crazy mechanics with like the shiny, not the shiny Pokemon. That's a different thing. Um, what do I what do I call it? There is an aura around a Pokemon after you fight so many of them. Those also have potential for better IVs. Those all are also stronger. They also give you Watts, which is a currency that you use to work with more dynamax stuff like there's a lot of stuff that ties in together very well and it doesn't just they actually introduce it to you early on enough that you can play with it some so like and another thing is you can almost catch anything like i think almost everything is able to be gotten from the dynamax battles that yeah that and um there are sometimes um rare overworld appearances of Pokemon that are in final evolutions that you would not otherwise be able to get without Mm. doing, like, big trades or spending resources on, like, stones and stuff like that. Like, for example, if you're you're lucky enough, you can walk around and you can find them a Champ or a Steelix or a Gengar or, like, a Gigalith, and those are Pokemon that you have to trade in order to be able to get, but sometimes they're walking around, and then you see it and you're like, oh, I could use that. Maybe I'll complete my Pokedex with that. And then you just try it. You go in there and you just hope for the best that it's at the right level and that and that it gets into the ball and you don't accidentally kill it or it accidentally sweeping your team. And, yeah, it's just it's actually really nice to see this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there there is potential for death in that area because you they don't... Um, there's, like, certain areas that are just higher level... And you're allowed to go there physically. <laughs> physically, you're allowed to go there. You probably don't want to fight anything there. You do um, get punished for it. Yes. Um, you can get swipe, you know, sweeped by, you know, the stupid giant 
fucking squirrel. I hate that Pokemon, by the way. Um, so yeah, so there's that kind of stuff. Uh, one thing I do want to hone in on is the camping. Um, I have been okay with the whole like uh, the what was it the the giving berries to make them happier. Use it like the get get Pokemon happier mechanics have always been kind of kind of interesting. Sun and Moon was a little annoying with pet me after every battle. Um, the camping is longer, but I enjoy the cooking mini game with the curry. I enjoy the playing with the Pokemon to get the relationships up um, because it actually helps uh, in in some ways. Is be like hey. I didn't think that you would like if I died, so I remained at one HP from that giant attack. Like that—that that helps it's, in the story. It's so convenient, especially when you get those friendship levels unlocked at very like at at the max. Right. Now there was a Pokemon that required for me to do that for it to evolve, and it had to be at maximum friendship, and I had to level it up at night. Umbreon. Um, no. Snom, which turns into fr- uh, Frostmoth, because I use an old bug team. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you are doing the bug challenge. Oh, boy. Yes, uh, and forgot. I did put that on Twitter. I have I had beaten the game, and I didn't put up the post-game beat. But, yeah, I have beaten everything with a specific bug team, and now I am IV training to make that bug team max out IVs and level them up in a competitive way. Not that it will be a competitive team because they're all bugs and any rock type will sweep me in any second. But... <laughs> you could almost call it a buzz lock? Dun dun dun! <laughs> so, I have really enjoyed that. Now... For me, like I just some final points on it. I have never done this sort of trying to competitively raise a team. It was never interesting to me. It became interesting to me because two reasons. The bug game in this one is strong. I don't know if people care about that other than me, but uh, there are some really cool bugs. There are some really strong bugs, and two of them that are new, and Sizzlepeed being one of them, as uh, a fire bug that they're really caught my eye i don't think snom is new uh chill moth uh, chill moth being the layer uh, later yeah elevation. i th- i don't think it's new i, th- I think it uh, is it's definitely a I'm new pokemon sure it is i think that frost moth is is pretty new i think it is a an eighth i thought pokemon. i heard something it was gen 3 but i, there's I don't no, know there's no snom that would have been gen 3 that would have been either um uh what is it uh dust uh what is it called I can't remember it's it's from one of dust the earlier evolutions Beautifly. yeah that's the one yeah um or it could have been masquerade that's probably what somebody else is thinking as well that was a third gen as well um I think that the one that you're that you've got uh, the frost moth one I think that's a generation eight one for sure the one the one I have on my team is a generation seven one. Hmm. Okay. Golisopod for the win. Well, um, <laughs> so like, I'd say I don't know. I don't know Pokemon that well enough. All I know is I really liked some Fire Moth and Black and White. Yeah, that's but, uh, Vulcan <laughs> Ronda. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Corona. Oh, Corona. Yeah. Uh, so. Rock a meta with Quiver Dance. Okay, so I guess there's that. I know that Sizzlepeed's new, but I know that, like, Grubber is not. Uh, the new Bug Psychic one I have is new, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, or Beetle would definitely be a uh, a, a brand new one because I don't think it was featured yeah. in any of the previous games. So yeah, it's a new one. Um, let me think. I know that the Rock Bug, uh, is is old. Shuckle looks like a hermit. Oh, Crustle! Yeah, Crustle was a Gen Fiver. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, and then what was the last one I had? Oh, the Dewpiter. Dewpiter's old, so he turns into. A, something aqua arachnoid arachnoid or whatever um so like the the water spider that one's old too so i have like a mix of old and new pokemon but there's a lot of bugs like i could have put in a steel bug i could have put in a couple straight straight up only bugs like uh there was a couple options for rock bug like you mentioned shuckle um like it was for me, like, it was really cool to see, like, there was a lot of options to just to do what I wanted to do. I see, it seems like with 400 Pokemon, there's just a lot of options in general. Like, <laughs> like if you're like, hey, I need a lightning to do this, or you know, a lightning type to do this, or, you know, but, you know, or I need this. And there was a lot of move coverage by a lot of, uh, Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, my team, my regular team can cover all almost every move the only one that i really can't cover is against normal types um so normal types have that fighting weakness and i just can't i can't handle it um frostmoth is is a standout for me for some type coverage on top of it being bug and all of them have bug attacks but on top of it having a bug attack and ice attacks it also had um uh it had a fairy attack and i had no access to fairy before that so that was cool (laughs) um stuff like that so that was one aspect of it that kind of like okay yeah i'm really into this and the fact that um learning how to do this harder end game stuff like the ivs and determining if it's a good pokemon or not is much easier in this game they actually display ivs Yes, they yeah. do eventually. Yep. Yeah. Um, Very end game though. Uh, so you have to have beaten the end game, and then there's a challenge tower that you do, which was the hardest fight that I did was fighting against a Dynamax Charizard. Uh, or no, not Dynamax. Let me clarify because there's actually a difference. A Gigantamax Charizard, which had enough type coverage to wipe my whole team. So. Because if it wasn't weak to fire, it was weak to flying, yeah, flying or rock or something else. And oh my, this Charizard oh, just destroyed me. I've... But it, after several attempts, I finally beat it. Um, uh, and then you get a thing called Judge Stats. And it's when you're on the Pokedex, you can actually press um, the plus button a couple times. And instead of seeing your the numbers, you will see the level of IV writing from best to fantastic to pretty good, very, you know, very good, pretty good, you know, average, below average, poor or terrible. 
and it gives like an overall rating. So like the way that I know that my Sizzlepeed is perfect is it has best in all stats. Mm-hmm. Best possible. And then it also has a blue and a red on certain stats that talks about the nature, which nature's... See, I'm learning all this myself because I never got into this 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 far just because it was so much easier to see and do in this game, which is another big driver for me. So the nature uh, that I have on my Sizzipede, uh is is shown also. I actually tweeted that out where uh, the Sizzlepeed has... I don't even remember what the stats are, but it sacrifices some... Special attack for special defense, and Sizzlepeed is more is a physical attacker more so than a special attacker. Mm-hmm. So you can see, like the natures, how they also interact with your stats at the same time, and like all on that screen. And it was just like, okay, cool, I understand. So then it they helped me understand how to breed the Pokemon better. I had to look up a guide on that one. There's no easy way i didn't know that things would have to carry everstones and destiny knots and yeah i understood male (laughs) i understood male and female but i had to look up a guide for the breeding um but as a result i have my first pokemon that is ready to level up and then once those level up i'm not going to worry about the ev training as much because no matter what I do, it's going to be a terrible competitive party. Because the, the fact they're bugs. So, but, do you think oh. the whole individual value, breeding, grinding process is mm-hmm. in there because it's rewarding? Or do you think it's in there because it was just always in there? Well, the thing is, it, it, it hasn't always it's... been in there. But, I mean, like, the concept of breeding has been around since, like, second generation. Um, second gen, yeah, you know. competitive, and then yeah. the IVs since third gen, yeah, um, competitive breeding would have been around like I think third, and then up, but like since then, um, with each um, successive generation, quality of life changes have been added to make uh, competitive breeding more accessible and more viable and a lot easier for players. And um, with the new changes that they've made to this game, those quality of life changes are just that much better especially with like um being able to judge the ivs of your pokemon just by going in and then just pressing the x button or um i think it's the plus button or it's the x button i can't remember which one it is but yeah just being able to do that without having to worry about racing all the way to some freaking island across the map and then having to go into a pokemon center and go talk to a kid and then having to go through all the text boxes and dialogue and shit like that just for him to tell you whether or not the stats were okay or if, like what they're looking for or whatever and you're like going go off and you're like you uh, you save in front of a legendary and then you have to do soft resets in front of it and then hope that when you catch it you can go all the way back to that same kid and he judges the stats if they're not what you're looking for if the nature's all wrong and you have to soft reset again like well I don't think they've added uh, anything that would make legendary catching or legendary individual values any easier right. Yeah, they have. No, they have. There's ways to manipulate stats on existing Pokemon too. I don't know what those are, uh. but reading, reading and watching a lot of guides, people said there are multiple ways to bring something up to competitive level, including your starters, mm-hmm. without having to um, get there. But I don't have any starters per se because I had 
um, a blip bug as my starter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my technical starter. But, um, but yeah, so there's... I find it more interesting that it's easier to get into. And I think the competitive breeding and stuff is there for people who want to want to have something to get the best Pokemon possible. So like with this stats for this, this, uh, Sizzlepea that I have, it may actually be able to not be one shot by, you know, rock attacks. Whereas my current ones are mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like it so actually makes it like destiny it, PVP. The RPG grinding to, to make you better than other players. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of the way it is with Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Like, you just have to try to make... But the thing is, like, everyone... In that level of play, everyone's going to be doing that, and so it kind of ends up evening out. Yeah, exactly. play, but, like... I kind of... Like, it, I've played a couple matches with friends already, and one of my friends just happened to have, like, a rock-heavy move set, just because that's sort of the type coverage that they like. And like I had no chance. Like oh damn. But oh, yeah, there's no. But the base mechanic of the game. You can you can no. ever get uh, paper to beat scissors. <gasps> you need a ground but... bug type. A ground bug type would be excellent for your team. I think that would help with the rocks. But you have a crustal. But yeah, I have a crustal. Um, he's a rock bug though. Oh. Um. Ah, I see uh... my mistake. Very different. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel very different. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel very different, but it is. He carries the um, weight of the earth on his shoulders. But, like, it's fine, right? So, like, when I play with him and I were, if I were to use the, the better statted team, it has a chance to survive some of those attacks and maybe do get some more counterplay so it wasn't such a clean sweep. You know, I might be able to finagle things out uh so like one specific example that that was uh that i that i was like okay i see why you do some competitive stuff to get their stats up is once i unlocked it and i was like kind of teetering on the edge of do i do this or do i not um i was fighting with uh my chill moth and i was uh i was fighting a dynamax battle actually and I Dynamaxed my Chillmoth, and my Chillmoth almost got one shot. And my Chillmoth was not low level. And I'm almost like, what the heck? So I go and I look. And the Chillmoth that I was running with in the in the in the the actual story and kind of stuff is abysmal as far as stats go. Like, this poor thing, its IVs were just like it was like average, average, decent, poor, poor, average. And then there's one, it was like, the speed was no good. And I was like, oh, no. So, like, I was always going second, and, like, there's all this stuff. And whereas a normal chill moth actually has a decent speed, from what I understand, that I was seeing with other people say. So I was like, okay, yeah, so this is just a terrible example of what a chill moth can be. So maybe I need to try a little harder, you know. And that's kind of what got me into it because I love that chill moth. It's it's really cool looking, <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's all an aesthetic thing that sort of drove into the. Okay, cool. I want to do this. Um, 
I find it a little fun. Now the actual like breeding part is really boring. Um, I didn't like, it felt better once I got my first perfect one. Cause I didn't even really know if I was doing it right, but I finally got it to work. Um, Without a ditto, actually, because uh, I guess the easiest way to do this is with dittos. Yes, it is. Because dittos can just breed with anything. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky enough to find um, this is where the Dynamax battles came in. I noticed that the Dynamax Pokemon that I was getting in had better IVs because I could look at them. So I actually got two, a male Dynamax that had perfect in everything except for one stat and a female that had perfect in everything except for a different stat and bred those two together constantly and finally got a perfect one. So now I've gotten to a point where I'm breeding one of those sizzlepeeds because I'm using all bugs. So they're all the same age group or egg group Mm -hmm. using one of those to breed with a different bug because the female is the one that the type comes out of. So that female then produces at some point a male that has enough matching stats and doing that. Mm-hmm. So, because I don't feel like searching forever for a ditto. Just don't. Yeah, <laughs> It helps that your whole team fits into the same egg group. So, I mean, like, you don't have to worry yeah, about it, breeding the IVs. You just have everything that you need essentially right there. Right. Yeah, I have a good base point. Now, the problem is I have to find those original... Dynamax of those Pokemon, right? I only mm-hmm. have two that are, I only have two that were viably, like able to to breed very well, and it was the Blipbug, and the Sizzlepede. Mm-hmm. Once I get this, I've, Sizzlepede's done. Blipbug is on the way. Then my other four, I will have to find Dynamax that are good stats to match up to one of the other ones I kept behind for breeding, and it's gonna, you know, it's whatever it's complicated but i've talked a lot on this like but um it's just that much more interesting in this game because they've done it so much better they've done it like in different ways you can Mm -hmm. like there's there's not just one right way to play the game which is amazing to me yeah right yeah because that was the case in previous pokemon games if you want to do certain things obviously so yeah there is a popular youtuber uh he goes by the name of uh i think it's pimp knight uh he does mm-hmm. he does like uh mixed custom teams where he typically picks like the underdogs so like pokemon that are typically in the underused or rarely used or never used categories of uh like competitive battles and then he finds ways to make those uh pokemon teams just work and um yeah yeah like you can get a lot of inspiration from um what that guy does especially with some of the innovative strategies that he has for a lot of his builds like they're just absolutely insane um and like some some of his videos are just so outrageous like some of them involve him playing against people who have um hacked games where they have pokemon that mm-hmm. are that have stats that they're not supposed to have or like they have a certain skill that they're not supposed to have like picture this a shedinja which has only one health total and it has the ability sturdy which if you read up on what sturdy does if the pokemon has full health and it would take a hit that would normally ko it it mm-hmm. ends up with one health 
So basically, yes, uh, Shedinja just can take every hit, and Sturdy will just continuously be activated, but it'll always have maxed health, so it doesn't matter how many times you Unless it gets it. poisoned. Yeah, pass, poison, passive right? damage will be able to get rid of it. And it was really funny, because the guy was running Lumberries on all six of his Shedinjas that all had Sturdy. So what happened was, this guy, he decided, well, I'll just lay the spikes, and just wait for it to run out of power points, and then... You know, it'll just knock itself out with the struggle. And then as each all the Shedinjas came in, they all got killed by spikes. And so, <laughs> uh, it was so funny watching that. Oh my god, I was laughing so hard. Because on top of that, <laughs> the guy was running, like, one-hit KO moves on all the Shedinjas. Like, they had uh, Fissure, Sheer Cold, um, I think it was uh, Horn Drill, and Lock On. And I was like, oh my god, this guy's got, like a team that is specifically designed to take everybody out if they don't have all the right materials uh, or at least utility moves to be able to take them out. But no, like Pip Knight just goes in and he somehow manages to hold on. It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. And I really enjoy watching his stuff. It's really, really fun. Um, uh, hmm. Oh, I was also going to say that if anybody is having trouble with that Charizard that uh, Leon has, um, just, Throw down Stealth Rocks. It just takes out half of his health because he's, like, double weak to rock. Um, mm. So, yeah. And, like, Stealth Rocks will do a fixed amount of damage based upon uh, the level of weakness that that Pokemon will have to rock type. And since Charizard being uh, being uh, a flying, which is weak to rock, and fire, which is weak to rock, it'll take out a quarter of health for each of those types that are super effective. Um, mm -hmm. super effective weakness to rock. So, yeah, just run Stealth Rocks, and then, like, whenever he Gigantamaxes, it doesn't matter, because he's still at half health. So, you Gigantamax mm -hmm. or Dynamax, you can just take him out in one hit, and you're good. It took my uh, Arachnoid or whatever, uh, Aquanoid and Arachnoid, uh, whatever, the, the, the Water Spider, um, lucky hits to get through that one, is what I did. Yeah. Um, so... But uh, what I've been using is this YouTuber by the name of Verilisify. Ah. Um, he, he's got some good uh, guides, although I don't really like his change the time clock to get better Dynamax results. I don't do that. Oh, but. that one. The one where you can change the weather. Yep. I know all about that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really I don't really care to do stuff like that. I wouldn't do that in crown hunting either. So, nope. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> anyways um so yeah uh that's like just like i've been really into pokemon i'm probably not gonna have many more updates on the game because i'm probably just gonna be um i'm probably just gonna be you know trying to get that perfect team and then raise it up and i'll probably just be done with the game at that point uh except to fight everybody once in a while like hey here's my silly almost competitive bug team ta-da like that'll be it like <laughs> But that, like, that's like the final steps of me playing that game. Um, I'm probably not going to complete the Pokedex, um, even though I have off and on still caught new things just to catch them. But because it's easy to do, it's not really hard when you fight something new in a Dynamax battle to say, okay, you can catch it now. Hit Pokeball. Cool. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Don't care. Um. <laughs> I just realized that you could actually go to like anime conventions where they actually do like. Pokemon tournaments where, like, uh, certain people, they will build a team and then they can actually pose as gym leaders based upon the element and, like, the, the main focus of the element that they are running. So you could technically be a bug gym leader 
at like uh at like one of those conventions. Like I remembered I go I went to a convention once where I think it was uh when Pokemon X and Y was new and people were building gym leader teams and then they would have like the gym leader persona or whatever and if you beat them um you would like get like some sort of a custom badge or whatever it was but it was like a special convention thing that uh, some people like somehow managed to work out it was a really cool th- huh. really cool thing to actually do and i wanted to be the steel gym leader but i didn't have a, a complete team yet so i don't know it would have been really cool yeah i might i might do that uh, i'm not saying it'll be hard to beat me but I did name myself Bugster Cham, and I do wear. Uh, I think you can see on Twitter my outfit. I actually wear like the bucket hat. I've got like yellow garden gloves. Like it, I, I tried real hard to look like. Oh wow! Like, <laughs> I've just been going for like all like the tan and like the red plaid because like it, it just helps me get back into my Scottish roots because it just feels good wearing all those cream colors and like with the red and the green. It's just like. Mm. Solid stuff. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, Haru, we talked a lot about Pokemon. How's Jedi Fallen Order treating you? Well, you know what I've been wearing? Ponchos. So many ponchos. Ponchos. <laughs> um, I was going to say robes. It's not yeah, a surabe. It's a poncho. You'd, you'd think. But uh, I wanted to give this one some character. Make him not look like a desert nomad for the first time. Um... Yeah, so I I've beaten Jedi Order <laughs> in the last week. Uh, I oh wow, just, okay, uh, that feels quick, especially for me. Um, usually getting disinterested yeah. in games, I just like devour this game, and I yeah, um, I've basically one hundred percented the um, secrets and treasure chests. I still need to go back and get the um lore entries and scans and things, but that's sort of, like, uh, harder to do. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. essentially the main game, there's uh, four, like, full, like, multi-stage environments, these different planets that have the whole Metroidvania aspect of different paths and different powers you get to unlock those yeah. paths and ways you can't go, and, like... There's just a lot of reasons why that's the compelling gameplay structure, but honestly, just yeah, and it, I mean, it, it also falls in some of your favorite games, also, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they're my favorite games because yeah. of this like conceit. Yeah, um, and I'd say Jedi or Fallen Order does it does it very well of those games because there isn't there's never a moment where you get like a uh, like a red lightsaber and the store only opens to red lightsabers. Like it's all stuff that makes sense in the context of the world. Um, sure. And, uh, he's, he's, he's coming through the blast doors. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only I, way I could think that would work. I, I, I'm not sure if I asked this before. I completely forgot, but, um, this was a question that uh, came to my mind. Um, so, like, you know how, like, in Shadow of Mordor, you could, like, invest points into, like, certain specific skills or, like, special attacks and stuff like that? Does Fallen Order um, present that uh, opportunity for you to be able to customize your character fully with, like, certain abilities and stuff like that? Yeah, there's a skill tree, but it's more, like, unlocks that you get. Um, uh, unlocks that you get uh, building out to a complete moveset. Like, it's never going to, like, deny you 
the um, well, you, you basically by the end of the game you'll probably have all of the powers because it's just oh, pretty okay. doable. Um, it's mm -hmm. not very grindy at okay. all. Is it like based off of like a uh, like an experience points like system, or is it like based yeah, off of like so you game get progression from from killing enemies and from discovering secrets or scanning things, which is a nice like change from Metroid Prime, or scans were just for story reasons. You know, there's mm -hmm. like a, a, yeah. a more tangible incentive to get them. Um, and there's a sort of Dark Souls-esque mechanic, but it's not as dumb as Dark Souls, where you just lose all your experience arbitrarily, because you, you know, <laughs> don't know how to play this part of the game yet, because you haven't encountered it yet. Because um, you'll reach yeah, milestones yeah. of, like, you get one, like, uh, force point, unlock point, um, and that's locked in. Like, you can't lose that, even if you don't spend it and you die. You'll lose your mm -hmm. progress towards the next unlock point, like so that like point five or point seven or whatever is mm -hmm. uh, fungible. Okay. Um, which I didn't find too okay. punishing. I um I had a moment because after I like I would definitely recommend after people take their first trip to Zepho and get the um the first power unlock there. Uh, going mm -hmm. back to mm -hmm. Bagano, the, the first planet, and um, exploring a bunch, because I was able to find um, uh, like a bunch of health files, health potion slots, um, and mm. I found a lightsaber lightsaber crafting desk, which um, which if you if you find a couple of those, it unlocks the um, dual bladed lightsaber. Which is the the second weapon type oh. in the game? That sounds the Darth Maul. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, okay, cool. So I'm into this. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's only two uh, weapon types in the game, but yeah, you get unlocks uh -huh. for each of them, and um, yeah, you do get more a little bit more lightsaber powers uh, later on, but only two um, weapon types. Sure. Okay. Um, so, so uh, you addressed this a little bit before we recorded, but I've not. I so I've heard a lot of different things about this game, right? Get, let, let's uh, um, bat, let's let's put this in some context. I haven't played this game. This is all just hearsay from what I've heard online and podcasts and that kind of stuff. A lot of people have been saying it's pretty buggy after the first hour and then i've heard people say that it's amazing all the way through and um, because there was a bit of an outrage of this not being in the game rewards uh you know which was a topic that we were potentially going to cover today the well, the game awards is just a popularity contest anyway this game probably came out I mean, too late in the year and the people running that didn't bother to play it yeah so it came out like Right, at, it was supposed to come out. They were trying to get it out on the deadline for the Gatem Awards, but um, it'll end up being eligible for next year's awards and awards anyways. Uh, sure, and I'm sure people will remember that, and not something attached to like a bigger brand, like or in gaming a bigger brand like uh, Smash Brothers that got into this year's. Yeah, yeah. So like Smash Bros. Is a, is a good example of like a game that came out at the end of last year that is eligible for this year. Personally, I actually like the Game Awards. I 
excluding last year, have watched it live every year that Jeff Keighley has been doing it. Um, but uh, I like I, you know, d- doing it exclusively. I was just, I would say he did it for Spike TV for a long time, but uh, like I didn't have a lot of problems with the nominations. But um, like I've heard a lot of people say that it was uh, you know it should be there or forget about it because it's so buggy and crap. So like. Where is where is it for you? Did you find a lot of bugs or that kind of stuff, or no? Yeah, I don't think they're, those people really know what they're talking about. Um, I'm playing on PlayStation 4 Pro, so the PS4 version, okay, it's not going to like have bugs in the code that aren't in the that are not in Pro but are in base PS4. So I think that version's good. I mean. I don't know where people are coming from. It seems like an unfounded claim. I don't know. Like, I mean, like maybe there's a bad PC port, what but, I, I mean, if you play on PC, like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's that's just <laughs> happens with most developers, especially third parties. Um, especially, like, people who hire external studios to port their game to PC. Yeah, there may be like Didn't some offline so issues with that. Um, I heard that there were like some like server problems. Like people like if they were like halfway through the game, whatever. There's like, their, no servers. Their system would get order. chuggy. It's a single player game. It doesn't connect huh. online. There's no DLC. There's like a pre-order bonus, I think, or a deluxe edition or something. <laughs> but mm. that's it, right? Yeah, I don't know why this game would possibly need to connect online. There's no connectivity features whatsoever. Um, hmm, that's interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just like the story of this game, especially since it, it knew when to... Uh, you're doing a lot of exploring and a lot of like secret delving, and that's uh, very compelling to someone like me, who's like a, a big fan of Metroidvania games and Zelda games and Metroid games. Uh, Metroid. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> like they kind of broke up the, uh, the this exploration segments and like the sort of solace that comes with this sort of setting and uh, environments. Yeah, just like I feel like just at the right times with different like scripted sequences or like twists on um, on things, uh, like twist twisting your expectations essentially, um, which I'm not gonna talk about in very specific terms because that would just kind of ruin it sure but yeah it's i was very surprised to uh, playing this game that it actually had like dungeons like very zelda dungeons huh like you go in this ancient zepho <laughs> ruins. dungeons in space well when i think of star wars i never think of like zelda dungeons with actual puzzles and stuff like that like i never right. think Legend so of Zelda. Did you, the sort of framing device you know what I do think of the of... game is um, you're tracking down this ancient Zepho um, uh, culture, and that's sort of like it's not. That's why mm-hmm. you don't go to every planet in the galaxy. You're just looking for like the ones that are relevant to this anthropological sort of search that you have to go on. Sure. And the the dungeons you end up going on are like ancient Zepho ruins that are like deep underground. Mm-hmm. So. One thing more, what you were talking about, you don't really associate with Zelda. One thing that, uh, conversely, I do associate Star Wars with is Dungeons and Dragons, and that's, um, and it's not like Dungeons and Dragons is like, uh, 
and and like at the surface level but like sort of like the party the races the 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 idea of like hey it's a group adventure kind of thing even the movies have always given me that vibe you know what I mean? Oh, I'm I'm, th- um, I'm thinking of like what was it? Uh, Return of the Jedi, where Palpatine is just like shocking the shit out of Luke Skywalker. I'm thinking, oh, Witch Bolt, totally Witch Bolt. You don't know about the power of the dark side. Witch Bolt's not that strong. So think about it, right? Witch Bolt. It's it's kind of like so like I'm thinking like specifically like A New Hope, right? The 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 first. Like, hey, there's this desolate planet. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're come from from like origins, and like, hey, you're gonna join this dude. We're gonna start an adventure. Hey, we gotta go save this person. We gotta hire a ship. Like, it's kind of like it is. obviously a lot of movies can be can be categorized like this, but it was sort of like the hey, we have a party. Yeah. Hey, we're suddenly all friends now. Yeah, essentially. Like, yeah. And then there's. And then there's like they go on adventures and dungeons and like you could technically say the space worm is a dungeon in in uh yeah uh, was it Empire Strikes Back I think yeah I that's think right the, yeah. uh, the Wookiee really contributes to the sort of D and D party aspect because that's sort of the barbarian orc sort of well no thing. I was, I was like... like human elf human elf and just like giant orc or something that really doesn't fit right. <laughs> Right. There's that one so person like, who likes to like you know deviate from the rest of the group. It's like you're not playing human variant. What is wrong with you? And then you're like, I'm. I like playing orc because dark vision. And they're like, <gasps> <laughs> right. So that there's definitely there's to me there's always been that vibe there uh, of 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 that. So like to have like a dungeon delving, which I more associate with Dungeons and Dragons more it's than a, Zelda. It's a different type of dungeon. That's just entirely. where I come from. It's not the same word, right? Um, really, because uh, it's it's puzzle dungeons, right? There's actually like um, I mean that happens in not, D&D also. Not just Darth Vader. <laughs> you can't do like three D puzzles in like a tabletop. The, it just does not the same experience. Um, like I mean, you have to look around D&D and like observe the environment. <laughs> and these like really complex like 3D models that are not. How could you ever do that in 2D or like literally tabletop? I think that the setting that implies uh, 2D. Anyway, there's a lot of like platforming and like wall running and uh, force pulling and force pushing things like, like rocks, moving rocks. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff with. Um, like a physics puzzle centering around moving sphere around, uh, and there's mm-hmm. like sort of wind is another mechanic that they employ. It's like it's very, very okay. Zelda-y, very uh, elemental temple at times. Sure. Okay. Damn it! Now I can't think of like I can't shake it out of my mind. I'm thinking of like Darth Vader as like a Palak now, just like running Eldritch Blast with like you know just pulling people in with his attacks or whatever, and then like branding, smiting with his lightsaber, just slashing everybody to pieces. I'm like, oh my god! Speaking of which, um, <laughs> you guys familiar with the YouTube channel Corridor Crew? Ah, uh, no. Oh yeah, I've they seen do them. they. They basically, what they got big for do, doing is like a VFX bar, uh, artists react to these VFX from like different things. They have started a series of like 
X movie rated R or whatever. X is in a variable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Star Wars rated R is the thing they just did. And they showed what would happen if you were actually force choked with like their eyes bulging out and their face turning purple. Yeah, and, that like, stuff looks a bit um, funny. Oh my god, that um, sounds so intense. They talked about like uh, Order 66 and they showed all the blasters like actually killing people instead of puffs of smoke and uh, like like blasting like gory holes in in the Jedi and that kind of thing. Um, they they showed uh, a a rated R version of when Anakin kills all the kids in that scene also. Oh my, um, edgy. <laughs> yeah, I mean you get to yeah. um, the lightsaber in Fallen Order always leaves like a molten orange trail, like, even if you just swing it into a wall, yeah. it'll trace like. Uh, molten uh, sort of textures onto it. Um, and, and it'll do that on human enemies as well. Humans can't be bisected Ooh. like Darth Maul or anything, but monsters um, and aliens can be uh, cut apart, like cut their limbs off or cut them in huh. half. What? You can't cut people that's, in half? That's oh, alien. It's a Disney game, come on. Oh, come on, you should be able to at least, like, you know, maim somebody or mutilate them. It's like, just disarm them, just do some awesome disarming skill technique that you learn. You just chop off their hand or whatever, and then you I can mean, go you can, like, twist the guy's arm up in the air and, like, spin around and, like, swing your lightsaber across his midsection, like, really violently, and he crumples to the ground. But he doesn't, like, come apart. Ah! Even Frieza came apart with no blood. Well, uh, actually, there is, like, a scene where, yeah, he gets cut in half, and there's, like, a bunch of blood, but, like, when you look on the inside of him, it looks like, like, strawberry jello. Like, there are, like, no internal <laughs> organs. It's just, like, this, this right. clean chunk. Well, what was it that... I just... What was <clears throat> I just watched the episode today. I've been rewatching DBZ. <laughs> Damn it, now I'm thinking of Kung Pao. Like, uh, has anybody ever seen yeah. Kung Pao, where he's, like, punches oh, the guy's dude, I stomach? Love, and then, like, it's... I love Kung Pao. <laughs> Enter the fist. Oh, God. He's like, holy crap, man. He's just like, punch a freaking hole yeah. of him. There's like blood and guts and crap. Like, that's not even like freaking possible. That's like his stomach plug on the ground back there. It's like this jiggly piece of meat. Just, he's a perfect cylinder. And he's like, that doesn't even really seem possible when you think about it with bodily organs, cartilage, and bone. I mean, I'm no doctor, but that was like one clean chunk. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love that movie. I, I showed that to my family the other day, and they were like, this is just stupid. And I'm like, no, it's amazing. Um, oh and, like, my little sidetrack here, my favorite, favorite part of that movie is when uh, he, his family gets murders or murdered or whatever, and he fights back as a baby and oh fends off the God, bad guys. Yes. But then he like he's like in a sad stupor and he's clearly a plastic baby. <laughs> like it is clearly like a doll crying as he's like trying to crawl down the hill. Oh my god, then they're he does rolling that. down the hill. And then he rolls down the hill and he's like crying, but it's clearly a plastic baby. <laughs> and then lands on the road and this old lady is like, Oh, you poor sweet baby and she picks him up. Because, like, he got stuck on the on the road instead of going down for the hill. She's like, here, I'll help you. And just Bye -bye. chucks him down the other yeah. part of the road. <laughs> just rolls him down the rest of the way this steep cliff. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that movie. Well, but, uh, on that note, we also wanted to talk about uh, the 5th edition on Earth Arcon that came out 
um, for right. the variant class features, which means not your subclass, but your base class. You'll get, they are right. either enhancements or just like straight replacements for the base features you had in the player's handbook. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so like um, stuff like druids not having animal companions, which was a big thing for druids for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. It's basically you can replace uh, X ability with Y ability if you so choose, and your DM allows it. Um, and these are uh, technically, uh, what do we, what do we say? Official ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, like what you're saying, they gave Druid, uh, wild shape, the ability to cast, uh, find familiar for a limited time instead yeah. of, uh, it's not an animal companion, like in terms of fighting, but it's, it's close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, did you guys have any ones that struck you in particular? Well, that one, the, the wild companion for the druid, because, um, that's been a staple of druids for a long time. and It was sort of taken out in later versions, um, in favor of pure shape-shifting and spellcasting focus. Um, there's, uh, the other one that really stood out to me was, uh, let me find it. Uh, there was like some barbarian stuff that was like, so the, the instinct of pounce is the one that, that, uh, got me, um, instead of moving faster, you can just like, Hey, I will make a leap to you within 15 feet and be beside you. (laughs) Um, just sort of like bouncing around the battlefield, which kind of nullifies that fast movement, uh, need anyways, which, you know because that helps them clear gaps between you and enemies. But this is like, hey, I just get to bounce 15 feet because I can. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, one, I don't know. It's weird because you'd think you'd want to do it to do some attack of opportunity shenanigans and like interrupt people's movement. But it does use your reaction, so... Yeah, you can only do it once. Once around. Um, I didn't really there's a lot of them it's like hey you get some more spells and i'm like cool um yeah expanded spell lists and the big change like overall they made was um for the learned casters like not wizard but sorcerer and warlock uh they gave them the ability Mm -hmm. to um uh change their spells on a long rest change one spell which is a huge quality of life improvement i think that is actually really mm-hmm. nice, being able to change your uh, uh, your Warlock spell list. That's just super convenient. Right. Um, it is, it is n- nice to notice that uh, arguably what people say is the worst class in 5th edition, which is the Ranger, got a ton of new options. Right. Um, which is fine. I've played Rangers in 5th edition before. I don't really feel it's... Um, you know, if you want to talk about min-maxing, sure. It's probably not the best. Mm-hmm. But um, it has certainly some interesting ways to deal extra damage if you're able to hit uh, already. And this is sort of like, hey, this is just a lot more options because it seems to be like a very unpopular class right now. 
despite the uh, popularity of, of, of one Dark Elf Ranger uh, that still exists. But So, like, some of the things they got you know, like, was, like, increase your base walking speed and give you a climbing and swimming speed. Just, like, that's one ability. Um, yeah, yeah. And also, they, they get sort of, like, a uh, false life-like ability. Um, that they can just do uh, wisdom modifier times a day, uh, which can be really helpful, especially at low levels. Mm-hmm. Just like making you like more of a, a thicker character as you were as you will. Right, and yeah, it just got a just a bevy of new stuff to work with, which is insane. But yeah, other than that, like I didn't see a lot for spellcasters that I really cared about because, like, it's not Ooh. obviously it's not just extra spells, but um, nothing it really gra- you know reached out to me. I, I'm you know I did see <coughs> that warlock got quite a bit, but I don't really play warlock. I love warlock. So. Warlock is my favorite class, and I love to multi-class with it too. Uh, oh my god, eldritch armor is stupid broken like if you go in there with like just robes okay so here's what it says here as an action you can touch a suit of armor that isn't being worn or carried by anyone and instantly don it provided you aren't wearing armor already you are proficient with this suit of armor until it's removed so (laughs) if the party is sleeping and you decide to like go murder hobo on everybody and the paladin is like sleeping but like not in their armor you could basically just go touch their armor and instantly don it and then just kill the paladin while they're not wearing their armor that's very mean that's that's a mean thing to do I know I know a couple of highly frowned paladins. upon they never let me be a werewolf and I'll hate them for that forever Player killing is highly frowned upon, just so you know. I know, I know. <laughs> but it is a funny idea to joke okay. about that. Yeah, sure. I'll be like... I mean, I've... I've, I, Yeah, there's been many a jokes about killing each other. and Then, you know, the 3-5 pissing contest that really got routing in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a big, um, uh, a big improvement was actually two... What, the one, I think the one subclass that got to change is the Beastmaster Ranger. Um, they oh, have these yeah. um, sort of stat locks for a generic flying and walking slash swimming um, uh, beast that are sort of like yeah. more simplified, um, but also like more more powerful than the like just picking something out of the monsters manual because the health uh, yeah. is going to be plus a couple of modifiers. It, it's five times your ranger level. Which is a big mm-hmm. deal because um, it actually scales with you, and yeah, um, that's yeah. really nice. They gave an ability, an ability essentially. Uh, if your beast died within the last hour, you can spend a spell slot to resurrect Fido, so you don't have to like part with your like yep. story important companion that uh, hmm. is just like a weak, a weak animal. That's mm-hmm. actually pretty badass. I like that. Better yeah. than the regular Beastmaster. The regular Beastmaster is so bad. Yeah, it still has yeah. to be a fourth challenge rating or less beast to begin with, but eh, I guess there's ways to improve it. Yep. Yeah, the I I I really enjoyed fifth edition to begin with because as a DM who ends up 
teaching a lot of people how to play. Um, it's it's a great introductory to role playing and how to play and all that kind of stuff. Not as good as fourth edition in my experience, but better than most. Um, however, the options have always felt uh, far more limited in fifth edition. Um, with the caveat that it feels a lot more customizable in 5th edition, but most people don't really want to deviate from the books in that manner anyways. So, it's nice to see a lot more options come in for 5th edition to sort of work with, you know, like, hey, there's some actual, like, more flavorful, flavorful options. <laughs> I still said that wrong. But yeah, there's there's a lot more options to pick from, uh, you know, especially for some that were lacking a lot of viable options like the ranger. Mm -hmm. um, like one thing I did follow with that um, such a, on my druid actually I have um, the animal handler feat, which lets you command a beast. Um, so I actually talked to my DM and like changed my owl that I was like holding back because I didn't want it to die and I had like twenty health. Um, uh, changed it to this new stat block um, that's sort of like around the same power level, um, and and having that like ability because I'm a main spellcaster as a druid to just resurrect it whenever um, it dies is is huge because um, yes because that that way I can take a lot more risks and uh, use that feat in a way that's more. Um, uh, I think allows me a more direct control. Right. Gives you more player agency over your character. Um, I also play a Battlemaster, and they added a bunch of new um, fighting styles and uh, maneuvers for that class. Mm-hmm. Um... And it's just some interesting things, like, uh, they added sort of, like, the polearm master effect. So, like, if a creature moves within five feet of you, you can use your reaction to attack them, uh, with a superiority yeah. die. Or, um, like, another ability that if on hit, you can, like, try and restrain uh, an, an enemy. Like, grapple and restrain them with this feature, which is a lot better than just taking the grappler feat and like, like some of the weird underpowered things from the old feats. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, the feats were very lacking despite a few really good ones in 5th edition, so... Yeah, there's a few interesting ones, that. but like some of them are just like not as, as powerful as the rest. So they're kind of ignored. Right. And then, on top of that, it's an either-or with an ASI, so which is ability score increase, for those who don't know. So, uh, like, some people would end up just skipping feats altogether, because, bleh. <laughs> like, uh, I know there's a lot of shield ones that I like, but I end up using a lot of shields anyways, so... Right. Usually it works out to be, like, a higher-level thing, because you usually max out your primary ability by 8 
and then you still have three more to go later on, but yeah, it can have to be a pretty long game to get to higher levels. Right. Unless you happen to be, yep. like, playing a campaign where everybody is, like, playing max level, and it's, like, <laughs> like one of those hardcore games where, like, the end boss is a Tarrasque, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. Unless it's, like, a, <gasps> oh, a Demi-Lich Tarrasque. Could you imagine that? What? Could you imagine somebody you... actually homebrewing a stat block for, like, a cross between a Demi-Lich and a Tarrasque? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to fantasize how you could mix the two. It's like the Tarrasque is like... Tarrasque skull? Yeah, like a floating Tarrasque skull just loaded with, like, soul gems or some okay. shit like that. That would be actually pretty freaky. Uh, uh, okay. I was like, because Demi-Lich is really just a spirit inhabiting okay <laughs> okay i feel like <laughs> not that you like can Tarrasque. kill a tarrasque i don't think i feel like hmm. tarrasques are just Technically... like a, a, a monster stat block like a very physical monster stat block just add 20 to all of the numbers <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's very tarrasque with like 30 of... intelligence it's to... <laughs> it is it is essentially godzilla the tarrasque it cast per... meteor shower it is it is protector of Earth and can never truly die. <laughs> oh wait, no, it's meteor strike, right? I think it's meteor strike. What is that spell? I don't know. I off the top of my head, I'm not a wizard main, so I can't remember. <laughs> main is a funny concept in D and D. It is. Uh, there are people who favor certain classes, like I used to favor rogue. Oh yeah, um, for sure, rogues. Hard to beat. True. Those sneak uh, it's actually where... Uh, funny story, it's actually where I got the name Fortuan from. It oh, was yeah? my first D&D character, which was a human rogue. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So, very connected to D&D. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't really have too much else to say on it. I thought it was an interesting... Uh, you know, way to expand on the classes instead of just, you know, adding more, just subclasses. straight up just adding more, uh, what do you call them? Paths or whatever. Yeah, subclasses. Um, like, uh, Xanathar's did. What do you call yeah, them? Yeah, they... Subclasses? Or... Yes, uh, they, they also came out with a few, like, rounds of, uh, recently with all different, uh, subclasses but we didn't really want to cover those as much because like that's a lot more situational um and to, to knowing yeah. the base class and knowing how that sort of fits in with the archetype that's true yeah um but yeah i think this is interesting because it's the first i don't know this is the first time they've changed the fundamental classes in fifth edition i guess not like ignoring the revised ranger which is just for that one class Yep, this is the first big, big stuff to it. This book has been around in paper form for a while now, and playtesting and whatnot. Um, but this is a like a, a much more official look at it. Um, 
I'm just getting just I was looking at just getting distracted by the thumbs up Rajong. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> thumbs up Rajong is actually quite goofy looking. I love it. So yeah. Um but I didn't really have much else to say on on the uh Unearth Arcana. I don't have the book. I, I don't have the the big larger thing cuz I'm actually not actively in a 5th edition campaign. I'm actually playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition more so than anything right now. Yeah, but um, um, Wizards said something in the works, clearly, because they keep releasing all this material very rapidly that they seem to have been holding on to for a while, so uh, who knows? Because they, they want that moolah. They want the money. Who doesn't want I mean, money? That is That is accurate. uh all right so any other thoughts on another canna are we good no just very hopeful that oh i was just going to say that yeah i'm very hopeful that wizards of the coast will uh make this stuff official because it'd be quite nice to be able to mix this in i mean uh that's a concept for another day but i don't think official means crap to me in D D. In general. Oh, I see. You're one of those DMs. The fun ones. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely played with some players that are very uh, rules is written. Like, really like playing the... Yeah. And I agree, because... See, like, that's why we actually it is a, it is a It is a fun game to play, like, with the base rules and, like, how they all fit together. Different mechanics. But uh, it's fun to play with some stuff sometimes, too. Yeah, and, and it, there's a there's a line, right? There's a line where th- there is um, there is like rules as they are explicitly written versus um, how can we make this the way that we want to play versus here is my min max infinite stat cobalt god cobalt. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm actually referencing a real thing from 3.5 edition that you, there was a within the rules legitimate way to make a cobalt with infinite stats. Um, it was a lot of steps, but it was possible. Um, so, like it, there's there's a happy balance between customization and rules as they are. Um, but that's like the big that's one of the biggest strengths of fifth edition is it's actually it has it gives you a lot of tools to sort of customize it your way still uh it's just sad that not a lot of people have learned how to do that over the years because i mean you know most of us coming from a background of video games and that kind of stuff we play it as we are given because we can't change it so mm-hmm. that's kind of the mentality that comes into D also um and maybe that's a topic for another day of like just like a full-on like <laughs> D&D discussion and what you know that kind of stuff because I I have a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts on you know D&D fifth edition versus Pathfinder second edition that I didn't feel I didn't think I would have because I so much hate and loathe Pathfinder first edition so <laughs> I think um, min maxing is pretty fun in 5e um, yeah it it gets weird with homebrew because like the whole point of of min maxing is you're working within a rule set to to try and optimize and to try and make like a really um, competitive character 
Um, Whereas, yeah, if you start bending the rules, the other stuff, you can create loopholes for yourself, which is kind of like that's not really anything at that point. Right. It's yeah. It's pointless. Then you've kind of broken your own goal. (laughs) There are no roads for we're going. (laughs) Or we need no quotes. Um, well, I think that'll wrap it up for us tonight, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Fortuan. You can catch me at Pod on Twitter. I'm sure you will see a lot of Pokemon stuff, uh, especially if I ever get, you know, best IVs for a Pokemon like I just posted for my Sizzlepeed. Because that stuff's hard, and but kind of rewarding to do, despite I still have to level that thing up. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I will see you guys uh, on that next quest. And where will we, on that next quest, where will you be, Haru? I will be at Akinstagram on Twitter, waiting, just waiting. Hopefully, we will be back to you soon with more exciting developments and uh, more. Well, you guys can always find me on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully for the next podcast, uh, Capcom will actually deliver on some. Uh, juicy, juicy material and Real content news. for you know wink, wink. December. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Right. Give us that fatalis, damn it! But yeah, no, like yeah, else. you guys, you guys know where I'll be. You'd like anything but fatalis. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a siege King monster. Galalad is and a King Galalad is. Oh, King Shakalaka, thou that would be a fun monster. No, that's yeah, point queen. King Shakalaka no. remastered. Uh, and then no. also his brother. We already got uh, that in The Witcher. Dude, but, how about Best Boy no, Queen? Best Boy Queen was Gajalaka, so good. Actually, so we need King Shakalaka, uh, King Boa Boa, and then we need Cha Cha the Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is, this is the hate on Fortuan ending. Cha Cha, Fortuan's pain. <laughs> yep. All right. Later. <laughs> this is the bad ending to your monster story. <laughs> bye bye. You've 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 gotten the bad.